Chapter thirty eight of Astoria or Anecdotes of an Enterprise Beyond the Rocky Mountains by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Village of the Wishram, Roguery of the Inhabitants, Their Habitations, Tidings of Astoria, Of the Tonquin Massacre, Thieves About the Camp, A Band of Braggarts, Embarkation, Arrival at Astoria, A Joyful Reception old comrade adventures of reed mcclellan and mackenzie among the snake river mountains rejoicing at astoria of the village of wishram the aborigines fishing mart of the columbia we have given some account in an early chapter of this work the inhabitants held a traffic in the productions of the fisheries of the falls and their village was a trading resort of the tribes from the coast and from the mountains mr hunt found the inhabitants shrewder and more intelligent than any indians he had met with trade had sharpened their wits though it had not improved their honesty for they were a community of errant rogues and freebooters their habitations comported with their circumstances and were superior to any the travellers had yet seen west of the rocky mountains in general the dwellings of the savages on the pacific side of that great barrier were mere tents and cabins of mats or skins or straw the country being destitute of timber in wishram on the contrary the houses were built of wood with long sloping roofs the floor was sunk about six feet below the surface of the ground with a low door at the gable end extremely narrow and partly sunk through this it was necessary to crawl and then to descend a short ladder this inconvenient entrance was probably for the purpose of defence there were loopholes also under the eaves apparently for the discharge of arrows the houses were large generally containing two or three families immediately within the door were sleeping-places ranged along the walls like berths in a ship and furnished with pallets of matting these extended along one half of the building the remaining half was apportioned to the storing of dried fish the trading operations of the inhabitants of wishram had given them a wider scope of information and rendered their village a kind of headquarters of intelligence mr hunt was able therefore to collect more distinct tidings concerning the settlement of astoria and its affairs one of the inhabitants had been at the trading post established by david stewart on the okanagan and had picked up a few words of english there from him mr hunt gleaned various particulars about that establishment as well as about the general concerns of the enterprise others repeated the name of mr mackay the partner who perished in the massacre on board of the tonquin and gave some account of that melancholy affair they said mr mackay was a chief among the white men and had built a great house at the mouth of the river but had left it and sailed away in a large ship to the northward where he had been attacked by bad indians in canoes mr hunt was startled by this intelligence and made further inquiries they informed him that the indians had lashed their canoes to the ship had fought until they killed him and all his people this is another instance of the clearness with which intelligence is transmitted from mouth to mouth among the indian tribes these tidings though but partially credited by mr hunt filled his mind with anxious forebodings 
he now endeavoured to procure canoes in which to descend the columbia but none suitable for the purpose were to be obtained above the narrows he continued on therefore the distance of twelve miles and encamped on the bank of the river the camp was soon surrounded by loitering savages who went prowling about seeking what they might pilfer being baffled by the vigilance of the guard they endeavoured to compass their ends by other means towards evening a number of warriors entered the camp in ruffling style painted and dressed out as if for battle and armed with lances bows and arrows and scalping knives they informed mr hunt that a party of thirty or forty braves were coming up from a village below to attack the camp and carry off the horses but that they were determined to stay with him and defend him mr hunt received them with great coldness and when they had finished their story gave them a pipe to smoke he then called up all hands stationed sentinels in different quarters but told them to keep as vigilant an eye within the camp as without the warriors were evidently baffled by these precautions and having smoked their pipe and vapoured off their valour took their departure the farce however did not end here after a little while the warriors returned ushering in another savage still more heroically arrayed this they announced as the chief of the belligerent village but as a great pacificator his people had been furiously bent upon the attack and would have doubtless carried it into effect but this gallant chief had stood forth as the friend of white men and had dispersed the throng by his own authority and prowess having vaunted this signal piece of service there was a significant pause all evidently expecting some adequate reward mr hunt again produced the pipe smoked with the chieftain and his worthy compeers but made no further demonstrations of gratitude they remained about the camp all night but at daylight returned baffled and crestfallen to their homes with nothing but smoke for their pains mr hunt now endeavoured to procure canoes of which he saw several about the neighbourhood extremely well made with elevated stems and sterns some of them capable of carrying three thousand pounds weight he found it extremely difficult however to deal with these slippery people who seemed much more inclined to pilfer notwithstanding a strict guard maintained round the camp various implements were stolen and several horses carried off among the latter we have to include the long-cherished steed of pierre dorion from some wilful caprice that worthy pitched his tent at some distance from the main body and tethered his invaluable steed beside it from whence it was abstracted in the night to the infinite chagrin and mortification of the hybrid interpreter having after several days negotiation procured the requisite number of canoes mr hunt would gladly have left this thievish neighbourhood but was detained until the fifth of february by violent head-winds accompanied by snow and rain even after he was enabled to get under way he had still to struggle against contrary winds and tempestuous weather the current of the river however was in his favour having made a portage at the grand rapid the canoes met with no further obstruction 
and on the afternoon of the fifteenth of february swept around an intervening cape and came in sight of the infant settlement of astoria after eleven months wandering in the wilderness a great part of the time over trackless wastes where the sight of a savage wigwam was a rarity we may imagine the delight of the poor weather-beaten travellers at beholding the embryo establishment with its magazines habitations and picketed bulwarks seated on a high point of land dominating a beautiful little bay in which was a trim-built shallop riding quietly at anchor a shout of joy burst from each canoe at the long-wished-for sight they urged their canoes across the bay and pulled with eagerness for shore where all hands poured down from the settlement to receive and welcome them among the first to greet them on their landing were some of their old comrades and fellow-sufferers who under the conduct of reed mcclellan and mackenzie had parted from them at cauldron lynn these had reached astoria nearly a month previously and judging from their own narrow escape from starvation had given up mr hunt and his followers as lost their greeting was the more warm and cordial as to the canadian voyageurs their mutual felicitations as usual were loud and vociferous and it was almost ludicrous to behold these ancient comrades and confreres hugging and kissing each other on the river bank when the first greetings were over the different bands interchanged accounts of their several wanderings after separating at snake river we shall briefly notice a few of the leading particulars it will be recollected by the reader that a small exploring detachment had proceeded down the river under the conduct of mr john reed a clerk of the company that another had set off under mcclellan and a third in a different direction under mackenzie after wandering for several days without meeting the indians or obtaining any supplies they came together fortuitously among the snake river mountains some distance below that disastrous pass or strait which had received the appellation of the devil's scuttle-hole when thus united their party consisted of mackenzie mcclellan reed and eight men chiefly canadians being all in the same predicament without horses provisions or information of any kind they all agreed that it would be worse than useless to return to mr hunt and encumber him with so many starving men and that their only course was to extricate themselves as soon as possible from this land of famine and misery and make the best of their way for the columbia they accordingly continued to follow the downward course of snake river clambering rocks and mountains and defying all the difficulties and dangers of that rugged defile which subsequently when the snows had fallen was found impassable by messrs hunt and crooks though constantly near to the borders of the river and for a great part of the time within sight of its current one of their greatest sufferings was thirst the river had worn its way in a deep channel through rocky mountains destitute of brooks or springs its banks were so high and precipitous that there was rarely any place where the travellers could get down to drink of its waters frequently they suffered for miles the torments of tantalus water continually within sight yet fevered with the most parching thirst here and there they met with rain-water collected in the hollows of the rocks 
but more than once they were reduced to the utmost extremity and some of the men had recourse to the last expedient to avoid perishing their sufferings from hunger were equally severe they could meet with no game and subsisted for a time on strips of beaver skin broiled on the coals these were doled out in scanty allowances barely sufficient to keep up existence and at length failed them altogether still they crept feebly on scarce dragging one limb after another until a severe snowstorm brought them to a pause to struggle against it in their exhausted condition was impossible so cowering under an impending rock at the foot of a steep mountain they prepared themselves for that wretched fate which seemed inevitable at this critical juncture when famine stared them in the face mcclellan casting up his eyes beheld an asata or bighorn sheltering itself under a shelving rock on the side of the hill above them being in a more active plight than any of his comrades and an excellent marksman he set off to get within shot of the animal his companions watched his movements with breathless anxiety for their lives depended upon his success he made a cautious circuit scrambled up the hill with the utmost silence and at length arrived unperceived within a proper distance here levelling his rifle he took so sure an aim that the bighorn fell dead on the spot a fortunate circumstance for to pursue it if merely wounded would have been impossible in his emaciated state the declivity of the hill enabled him to roll the carcass down to his companions who were too feeble to climb the rocks they fell to work to cut it up yet exerted a remarkable self-denial for men in their starving condition for they contented themselves for the present with a soup made from the bones reserving the flesh for future repasts this providential relief gave them strength to pursue their journey but they were frequently reduced to almost equal straits and it was only the smallness of their party requiring a small supply of provisions that enabled them to get through this desolate region with their lives at length after twenty-one days of toil and suffering they got through these mountains and arrived at a tributary stream of that branch of the columbia called lewis river of which snake river forms the southern fork in this neighborhood they met with wild horses the first they had seen west of the rocky mountains from hence they made their way to lewis river where they fell in with a friendly tribe of indians who freely administered to their necessities on this river they procured two canoes in which they dropped down the stream to its confluence with the columbia and then down that river to astoria where they arrived haggard and emaciated and perfectly in rags thus all the leading persons of mr hunt's expedition were once more gathered together excepting mr crooks of whose safety they entertained but little hope considering the feeble condition in which they had been compelled to leave him in the heart of the wilderness a day was now given up to jubilee 
to celebrate the arrival of mr hunt and his companions and the joyful meeting of the various scattered bands of adventurers at astoria the colors were hoisted the guns great and small were fired there was a feast of fish of beaver and venison which relished well with men who had so long been glad to revel on horse-flesh and dog's meat a genial allowance of grog was issued to increase the general animation and the festivities wound up as usual with a grand dance at night by the canadian voyageurs footnote the distance from st louis to astoria by the route travelled by hunt and mackenzie was upwards of thirty-five hundred miles though in a direct line it does not exceed eighteen hundred end of chapter thirty-eight